Gospels. I want to introduce you to a, a, a Greek word that we see in the New Testament. We're going to read it in just a second, but I want to describe it first. The, the Greek word is archegos, and it means uh, similar to what we would use in our culture as a, a, a catalyst. And archegos is a catalyst, like something was not happening or was not in existence. Then there was an archegos, a catalyst, and then the effect was... The effect was that thing came to be. It wasn't an archegos happened, a catalyst happened, and then the result or the effect was some, that thing happened. Or actually, but, um, they didn't use the word catalyst, but in, in Greek culture in the near, um, like in the first century, they would have call, called it the first cause. The first cause of something happening was the archegos. So, so here's the idea. When I walked in to the kitchen, what, what I immediately chose to do was to go waffle causal. Waffle causal. When I walked into the kitchen, there weren't any waffles. There weren't any waffles for me at Akron Family Restaurant. So, but I walked into my kitchen and I became waffle causal, meaning I started to do all of the things. I did all of the sufficient causes to make sure that the effect of waffles would break out in my kitchen. And they did. It, it happened just as I drew it up, but with a little bit extra. So as soon as I started making waffles, and as soon as it, uh, dads, you know this, as soon as you make something that's halfway good, all the little minions come out of the corners of the house, and they start flooding into the kitchen like they want waffles too. Now I know this happened, so I made a, every time I make something, it's a massive batch. I made a massive batch of waffle batter. And so right as, as I'm going waffle causal, after 15, 20 minutes, like it was, here's the scene. Waffles here, waffles there, waffles, waffles everywhere. And all of the kids just eating, like there's syrup all over the place. Butter is flowing like a fountain. A waffle party broke out in our kitchen and it was fabulous. The waffle party was the effect. It's what happened. How did that come about? It came about because I went waffle causal. I caused them to happen. Now the opposite of going archegos or causal for the sake of something, in this case waffles, the opposite would have been for me to walk into the kitchen and just be sad that all the other men at the breakfast had something delicious in the waffle or French toast variety and I didn't and then I could just live the rest of my day out of that sadness. I could have done nothing. Had I walked into my kitchen and done nothing, it would have been for me a waffle-less day. The effect of waffles wouldn't have happened without my causing it. Now, what in the world are you talking about, Brian? Here's where we're going this morning. Are you ready? We're going somewhere. Okay, we're going somewhere. We're, we're in this, remember, we're in this series. It's family, it's marriage, it's relationships, it's all the things that kind of like started out of this baby dedication day. We don't have a name for it, but that's okay because we're still talking about good stuff, right? But this morning, here's what we're going to talk about. Um, in the relationships that the Lord has allowed us to be in, there are some effects in those relationships that we would love to see. We'd love to see our marriage to be a certain way. We'd love to see our relationship with our kids be a certain way. Maybe relationship with, I don't know, you, you fill in blank. There's some relationships that we're in that we would love to see some certain effects happen in. But the idea is, is that those effects will not happen unless we go causal unless we go archegos, unless we catalyze something new in those relationships, they're going to continue to stay as they are. There are no waffles without causing the waffles. There are no good relationships without causing them. 
So this morning, we're going to talk about being relational causal. Now, here's where we see the word arhegos in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Um, The writer of Hebrews says this, right? That um, Verse 2, here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to look to Jesus, right? Fix, Fix your eyes, some of your translations. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And then the writer of the letter is going to tell us who Jesus is. Here he is. Look to Jesus, the founder of our faith. Some of your translations will say, look to Jesus, the pioneer of our faith. Look to Jesus, the arhegos of our faith. Jesus is the first cause of what is going on between us and God. He's the first cause. Let's put that together. What does that mean? Here's what it means. In the same way that I walked home from the men's breakfast wanting waffles but having not had partaken of them, Jesus surveyed the, eye, the landscape of the world and he saw a whole bunch of people who he longed would be his sons and his daughters, but who were not. We were not his sons and daughters. Right? The problem is, is that instead of being sons and daughters, we were actually his enemies. Right? We were adversarially stanced towards him in our sin, we were separated from him, and we were cool with that. We didn't want to have anything to do with him because there was angst in the relationship. Now, Jesus didn't like that, but here's what Jesus could have done. Here's an option. Jesus could have um, stepped into the kitchen and been sad that he didn't get any waffles and not done anything. Sorry, change that. And he could have walked in, he, he could have... Uh, surveyed the landscape of the world, seen that there wasn't relationship between him and humanity, and he could have just been sad about that. Oh no, it's not happening. Oh well. End of story. And we remain and continue to be separated. He could have done that, but had he chosen that route, it would have been a relationship-less option for him. But praise the Lord that Jesus is not uh, simply responsive to what is. He is causal for what is not yet. And so Jesus goes arhegos. He becomes the catalyst, the pioneer, the first cause. He goes causal for the sake of relationship with us. So what, what, is, what did he do? Well, his causal um, for the sake of relationship heart made him leave heaven. He, he left the right hand of the Father, and he came here. He encased himself in flesh as a baby and grew up. He lived a life that was like the, it was the life. The, the ultimate, perfect, like, bullseye life. Jesus lived it. Holy, righteous, nailed it. No dysfunction at all. It was right on. It was what we were meant to live, but don't and didn't. He did. And then Jesus lived that life so that he could take that life and credit it to us who are not able to live that life. We can't live the life that a son or a daughter needs to live to maintain family status in the family of God. That's okay. Jesus went arhegos. He lived that life for us and credited it to our account, which is really cool, but he wasn't done. Then he went to the cross, and on the cross he died as a sacrifice to literally take our punishment upon himself that would then allow us to be freed and forgiven of that payment debt. And so all of the guilt that should have stayed on us goes on Jesus, and so we are, we are free and forgiven and washed, 
sin-stain-washed clean. Because why? Because Jesus went our hagos. He became the first cause of relationship. He did these things. And what was the effect of Jesus going causal? Relational causal. What was the effect of that? Here we are. We're here, right? We've gathered together for the sake of like being with him. We are drawn to him now. We're not running away from him now. We, we love him now instead of hating him now. That's the effect. Right now, instead of talking bad about him as the great oppressive victimizer in the sky who's out to get us, no, we don't do that anymore because he went relational causal with us. Now what we do, we just did it. We worship. We tell him how awesome he is and how good he is and how much we love him. The whole relationship has changed because he went relational causal towards us. He stepped in and he started doing a new thing in the relationship which provided a whole new effect that is our relationship with him. Essentially, we could say, as the waffle party broke out in my kitchen, because Jesus, because I went waffle causal, because Jesus went relational causal, a relational party has broken out in all of creation where his sons and his daughters are, because we love him. We love him. There were relational effects that Jesus wanted, so he got causal. Now, back to the book of Ruth, where we've been the last two weeks. Uh, I want to read just a couple of verses that we have already read. Don't get mad at me for reading them again. We're going to talk about them in a different way than we have before. But Ruth chapter 1, verse 8, right? This is a reminder, but we're going to take it in a, in a little different direction. Ruth chapter 1, verse 8. Here we go. Um, but Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go daughters-in-law, return each of you to her mother's house. Each of you go back home. Okay, so the context here, if you're new to this, is that Naomi, Naomi finds herself in a bad situation. And what Naomi is doing in this bad situation is she is just going along with it. Anybody ever been in a lazy river before? Right, where the current is very firmly established and there's twists and there's turns and all you have to do is sit in your little flotilla and you just kind of go along with the flow. You're just going wherever the current is taking you. Um, Naomi is kind of going along with the lazy river of her very difficult circumstances, right? And, and the cause of her difficult circumstances, were, they were real, right? Her husband died, her sons died, she has nothing left, she's in a foreign land, and because of, because these things have happened to her, the effect of that, the effect of her husband, sons dying, having nothing left, and being in a foreign land, the effect of that is she becomes a bitter woman. I'm not calling her bitter, she calls herself bitter. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara is the Hebrew word for bitter. Call me bitter. She's going along with, right, her bitterness is the effect of, cause of these circumstances. She's going along with it. And then, in verse 8 here, she gives advice to her daughters-in-law, not advice necessarily, but direction. She gives her daughters-in-law direction on what they should do. They should go home, leave her, break relationship. Let's call this thing quits. She breaks it off. 
But all of her advice to her daughters-in-law comes straight out of her heart of bitterness. She is, she is speaking to her daughters-in-law from her bitterness. She's giving them future direction for their lives out of her bitterness. She is speaking direction over her own life straight out of her bitterness. Question for us. How much of our lives do we live simply as responders to the things that are going on around us? As if we are, we're just victims in a malaise of circumstances, of bad things. Everything's outside of our controls. We're just in the lazy river of difficult. And we just live in it and we live out of it. And we live in it and we live out of it. Responding, responding, responding to all of the bad that comes our way, right? It's what we see here in Naomi. Naomi is simply responding to the bad things that have happened to her. Her first daughter-in-law, Orpah, also has had some very bad things happen to her. Her husband died, her father-in-law died, her brother-in-law died. And Orpah is also going to go along with these bad circumstances. She's living in response to them. She's going to take Naomi's advice that comes out of Naomi's bitterness, and Orpah's going to go home, break the relationship. But Ruth, we said this already one time. There's a lot of characters in chapter one in Ruth. There's only one that like the spotlight is focusing in on, right? And it's focusing in on Ruth. Because Ruth is doing something different than everyone else in chapter 1. And here's, here's what Ruth is, here's what's different about her. Ruth is unwilling to live the rest of her life in response to bad circumstances that are outside of her control. She refuses to live the rest of her life living in response to the bad circumstances that are all around her. Now, I just want to be clear for a second. Um, did everyone in Ruth chapter 1 have tragedy happen to them? Oh, yeah. This is deep water stuff here. We don't want to glaze over this lightly and put a Band-Aid on it, pretending as if horrifying things have not been done to these women. Right? Is it appropriate for Ruth to mourn the loss of her husband? And the loss of all the men in her family. Is it appropriate for her to do that? Absolutely. Would it be wrong for her not to mourn those things? I think it would. Like a, a fully formed human being mourns sad things. We lament them. It's what we should do because, because they hurt. Okay, I'm not saying that Ruth shouldn't mourn. She should. Should Ruth be sad regarding all the tragedy that has befallen her? A hundred percent Yes. She ought to be sad. If she's not, it's probably an indication that her heart might not be in a redeemed, fully healed state. Sadness makes sense here. But here's the difference. Should Ruth, does Ruth think that she should live forever in the sad story that has been handed to her? And the answer to that is, according to Ruth, no, no. I will not choose to live forever in, in, as re, in, a, in, in response to this sad story that has been handed to me. Ruth says, Ruth says, no, instead of that, I'm going to be waffle causal. 
I'm not just going to be sad that I didn't get any waffles this morning. I'm going to cause some waffles, right? I'm not just going to be sad that this is how my relational life is. The only people that are close to me now, my sister-in-law and my mother, are saying, bye-bye, see you later, peace out, right? Ruth says, no, I, I can't go along with that. I'm not okay with that. That's, I'm not going to respond okay to that. I'm not just going to live in response to the things that are breaking down and shaking down as they are. Ruth is going to go, right, not waffle causal, right, because she's into deeper waters here. What she is going to do now is something very, very different. She's going to go relational causal. She's going to, she's going to do that which she knows God does all the time. She's going to go kingdom causal. Look at verse 14, right? Verse 14, Naomi's already said, hey, you girls go home, get out of here, go back home. Orpah goes, she's gone, but, verse 14, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth decides to stop living out of the bad, but to instead be the cause of something good. What Ruth does here is that she enters into Naomi's bitterness. What she does is she goes to Mara, the bitter one, and she clings to her and she wraps her up. Right? Any football fans, you ever see a linebacker break through the line and like wrap up a quarterback and just grab him tight and slam him down? That's what Ruth does. But there's a difference here. Ruth breaks through the line. She breaks through the bitterness. She wraps up Naomi. But she doesn't want to, she's not taking her down. She's not saying, Naomi, how dare you just be bitter and spread your bitterness everywhere? How dare you do this? You're wrong. You shouldn't do that, Naomi. You're out of order. That's not what Ruth does, okay? She might be true if she wanted to call that out, not the appropriate timing to call that out. But what Ruth does is she breaks through, she wraps Naomi up in kindness and in love, and she doesn't want to take her down. What she does want to do is lift her up. She's going to be causal for the sake of something different happening, both for Ruth and for Naomi. What Ruth is doing is following the invitation to join Jesus in being a cause, a catalyst for something good, even in a horrifying set of circumstances. Ruth says, being alone and being sad is not going to be my future. I will mourn and be sad now, but I will cause something different to happen for us. Ruth says, I'm going to be the first cause. I'm going to be Arhegas here. I'm going to be the first cause of kindness and see what happens. It just sounds like God, doesn't it? Just choosing to be the first cause of kindness. When I say kindness, what I mean is hesed. It's, uh, it's loving kindness. Anytime you hear the word kindness or loving kindness in your translation of the Old Testament, it's probably hesed. It's, it's, it's how God is described in his covenant loyalty towards us. That is what Ruth is choosing to be a cause now in this relationship with Naomi that Naomi is ready to break. It's similar to Ruth. In chapter 2, we meet a, a new character. His name's Boaz. Boaz is also going to be a causal agent for kindness. Except he's going to initiate his kindness, his hesed, with Ruth. Ruth chapter 2, verse 8. This is their first meeting. 
Remember, we already talked about this. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. What Boaz is offering Ruth here is provision in his land and protection. That's in a couple of verses. Right? Boaz is saying, Ruth, I am initiating, I'm going to arhegas, I'm going to be the first cause of kindness to you. Ruth has been showing kindness to Naomi, now Boaz is going to show kindness to Ruth. And as Ruth goes uh, causally kind to Naomi, and as Boaz goes causally kind towards Ruth, this story that started off so bad is starting to change so much. The dynamic of the narrative itself is beginning to shift. And then, we already talked about this, Ruth and Boaz will get married, and then Ruth and Boaz have a son. Now, fast forward to the end of Ruth, chapter 4. And let's just see if the way this story started has become very, very different. And and the answer, Cliff notes here, it's different. The waffle party that broke out in my kitchen, it's breaking out here in Ruth, chapter 4. The, the Jesus party that we do every Sunday because he went relationally causal with us. We're just worshiping and celebrating. Right? It's, that's what's happening here in Ruth chapter 4. Read this, right? There's this scene here in the end where it's Naomi, and Naomi is surrounded by some sisters from the village. And these women from the village are like singing over her and pronouncing blessings upon her. And, and, here, and it's because of this son that has been born to Ruth and Boaz. Now Naomi's grandson, but it will be for her a way that her family line will be continued. Ruth chapter 4 verse 15. These women are singing this over her. He, your grandson Naomi, he shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Now, hold, hold on right there. We're going to read verse 16, but check this out. These women are singing over Naomi. This daughter of yours, this daughter-in-law of yours, Ruth, who clung to you, they're singing to her, she is better to you than seven sons. We would never say something like this in our culture, lest we be called uncaring. Essentially, I'm just going to do some math here. Everybody, everybody knows Naomi has lost two sons. She's down two, and that's sad. What they're singing over her is that Ruth has become for you like seven sons. What's seven minus two? The answer is five. These women are saying, hey, um, Naomi, it's it's like you're up five sons. You're positive five right now in the blessings that the Lord is showing you. We would never say this and we should not. This would be like an example for us, like we ought not try to comfort people in this way. In our culture, don't do it, right? But, but the picture here is that what Naomi lost in the beginning, she's down two sons. Now, it's as if she's up five because the Lord is showing her kindness in some very, very cool ways. And then verse 16, then Naomi, in response to all of this, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. Ruth and Boaz actually causing new things, new kindness in Naomi's story. 
I'm going to draw this principle out real quick just so that we're all clear on it. The more human beings that you can get who choose to be causally kind to one another in close proximity equals the more amazing things get. When you get a bunch of people who have the love of God in their hearts who are choosing to be causally, causally kind, catalyzing goodness and kindness to one another. You get a bunch of people who are causing kindness towards one another in close proximity. The result of that is always amazing, 100% of the time. Now, and that's Ruth and Boaz choosing to be causally kind, and, and amazing is breaking out. And it's only two of them here. But the story is shifting because simply two of them got causal regarding hesed, loving kindness. On the converse side of that, the more people that you get living in close proximity to one another who simply choose to respond to the circumstances around them, the more normal things get. The more eh, ho-hum, regular Nothing special going on there. When we live as responders to what's going on around us, nothing extraordinary happens. When, it's only when we get causal for the sake of kindness that's the only time new and good things actually break out. Now, back to Ruth chapter 4. just want to point this out. It, it seems here as if Naomi is continuing to live her life in response to the things that are going on around her. It, she's, right, she's holding the baby. She's quite happy to be a grandmother. right? That's awesome. But still, all Naomi is doing is she's just living her life as a responsive person to events and things that are going on around her. Now, I'm not trying to judge Naomi here, but I just want, I just want to make this point for us. Hope Naomi doesn't feel criticized in the heavenly realms right now because this is instructive for us. Naomi is just living responsively. But here's the point for us, that Jesus is inviting us to stop simply living as responders to the bad things that are happening and the good things and the bad things and the good things, right? We're just responding, responding, responding. Jesus says, no, I've made you for more than that. I've redeemed you. I've rescued you. I've put my spirit inside of you for more than just responding to the things that are going on around you. I have done all of this to make you powerful so that you can be causal, so that you can step into places where the effect of some good things aren't happening and you can be the cause of those things actually happening. And that without you being the cause, the effect wouldn't happen. Things would just be normal. It's an invitation to stop living responsively and to start living causally. So here's the question for us this morning. Where do you feel like you need to start flexing your causal muscles of kindness for the sake of relationship? Where do you think? Where, where is the Spirit of God like pushing you in His love and His kindness? Where is He prompting you to start becoming a causal agent for the sake of relationship? Out of kindness. Because here, here's what I know. Here's what I know. 
all of us, I don't, I'm just making this up, I haven't read any sociological data, but let's say we all have like 500 relationships in our lives, right? If you're younger, you probably have less. If you're older, you probably have more. But we've met a lot of people in the past. We got a lot of neighbors. We got coworkers. We got people that we meet and see at the Starbucks. If you go to Starbucks, if that's you, we got, all, we got people all around us all the time. And if we said, hey guys, here we go, get causal for the sake of kindness with everybody this week. I don't know about you, but I'd want to go home and take a nap because that, ah, that's just too much. That's a lot. But here's what the Spirit of God does, and he's so kind about this. That, right, we ought to be kind with everyone. We ought to like, be gentle and loving and patient. All the fruits of the Spirit, we ought to display them with all people all of the time for sure. That, that's what the Lord empowers us to do. But there are certain relationships that he like lifts above the fray, and he, and he oftentimes will highlight for us that he wants us to be particularly mindful that in this relationship, in this season of life, there's an effect that God wants to see happen in that relationship that isn't yet. And in order for that to happen, you've got to stop responding to all the things that are going on and start causing some things in that relationship. That's what the Lord does, right? He will highlight relationships for us that we need to be mindful of so that we can start getting not just responsive, but causal in those relationships. Causal for kindness. Like, let him get specific. Like, if you're a parent, is, is there a child that he's highlighting for you? Are you married? Is he highlighting your spousal relationship, right? Is there something else that he would love to draw a, your attention to? If so, lean in. Stop responding in that relationship and ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do to cause something in this relationship? Here's an example of how the Spirit is is just good um, to to identify for us where we need to, like, spend more of our energy. Um, This was about two two years ago. Um, The Lord, like, highlighted one of my five kids. He, like, elevated one of them above all the others. And that doesn't mean that we, like, kicked all the other kids out of our house and we stopped feeding them and we stopped encouraging them and we stopped instructing them. No, it's not what happens. You're, You're always, like, good things for all the people in your life. Like, we're still loving our kids, but the Lord, like, lifted one of them above the others and said, like, focus here, right? As the spotlight is on Ruth in chapter one, spotlight on this particular child, okay? And so the Lord made that very clear. And parents, you know, does he not often do that? If if some of you guys have, like, one kid, and you're like, I don't know, what does that look like? I got one. When you have multiple kids, he will often lift one above the others for the sake of, like, all right, lean into this one in an extra special way here. Okay, so the Lord, uh, two years ago, lifted up this one child, and I was like, I was very clear, like, my heart was heavy for him, I was praying for him, there may even have been, like, a dream or two where I'm like, ah, like, I'm just praying for my little guy here, right, praying for this guy, and then really cool thing, right, just to highlight how the Spirit highlights people for us, Um, in that same season as that was going on, like, right in the beginning of it, I have a friend who is a a missionary um, to unreached people groups um, on the other side of the world. And he's doing, like, significant work there. Um, he, he is spending his life to share Jesus with people who have never heard of him before. And somewhere in the midst of that very serious and significant work, do you know what the Lord said to him? He also lifted to him my, that particular son who the Lord had lifted in my own heart. Th- this friend sent a text to me. And he said, hey, Brian, I just want to let you know that the Lord has really brought this particular um, son of mine He's brought this son to mind, and I really, my heart is heavy for him, and I just want to let you know that I'm praying for him. I think he actually might have also had a dream about him. Fascinating. 
that, that the Lord would interrupt him reaching unreached people. It's important. That's a big deal. And highlight my son that he also highlighted for me, which just said to me, lean in, Brian, lean in. The Lord is good like that. And so in that season, just prayed a little bit more for that one and spent a little more time with that one and just like, like leaned into that relationship just like more because the Lord was inviting me to do so, to be causal in that relationship. And I didn't know what the effects were. I didn't know what was going on, but to be causal in that relationship. Right, the same thing. Kemp talked about this, la- this last week, where um, I think it was in the, I don't know if it was in the closing of the 1040 or the 9. I think it was at the 9. You guys missed this. But Kemp said he had a friend, acquaintance friend, who came to him like four to six months ago and said, hey, Kemp, the Lord has told me that I'm supposed to serve you in this season. Translation, Kemp, the Lord has told me that I'm supposed to step in as a causal agent for kindness towards you. The Lord, like all the relationships this guy had, Kemp somehow got lifted above, and this guy's just being faithful and obedient to say, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go Ruth with you. I'm going to cling to you, and I'm going to show you kindness. I don't know to what effect, but I'm just trusting that the Lord has done this on purpose. He's put you on my mind and in my heart. I'm going to lean into you. And, and they're doing some things now, right? It's pretty cool. Kemp, the Lord told me to serve you. What's normal What's normal is that what we do as responders is we get mad at each other for not serving me in the way I want you to serve me. That's, that's routine. You didn't do this to me. You didn't say that to me. You didn't show me this kindness. You didn't do anything for me for Father's Day, right? Oh, that's normal. We get mad at people as responding to that which hasn't been done to us. But what Jesus invites us into is to like, okay, forget about that. Start being causal for the sake of kindness to other people. That's where we ought to put our energy because that's who we are. The kingdom is not normal. In the kingdom, we catalyze kindness. And it causes, those causes produce an effect. And the effect is a whole new script that begins being written in people's lives and in people's relationships. We have been created and rescued, washed and forgiven. To not be responders, but to be causers. Band, come on back up. We're going to worship just a little bit more here. And as they come up, I just got one more story to share just to illustrate, I think, a little bit about what this looks like wrap our minds and our hearts around it. This was probably two, two and a half years ago when we were in the uh, thick of pandemic dysfunction. Anybody remember that? Anybody want to forget that? Yes. Okay. It was bad. Horrible times. And Megan and I were in a difficult relational spot. We weren't doing well. And uh, I'm a pastor. I should have all the answers how to quickly pull out, right? I should have five reasons or five ways to make your marriage awesome, right? But and that's, see, I didn't, and it wasn't going well. And uh, we just kept bickering about silly things and we weren't connecting and we were like, just we were responding to one another and it wasn't great. And, uh, and there was one night where uh, it was like 2.30 in the morning, I, I couldn't, I woke up, it was like weighing heavy on me. And I, I didn't know what else to do. Sometimes when, like, when I feel like something's weighing on me, I just, I gotta get out and move. So I got out of bed and I went for a walk, 2.30 at night. 
and I'm walking on these power lines. It's just me. It's dark. I'm out like the wilderness. Wilderness. There's no wilderness in America, but you get it, right? I'm out in the middle of almost nowhere, northeast Ohio, and, um, and, I, and I'm praying because all, all that I know to do is, is to tell God the truth. I mean, I'm like, God, you know, the truth is, mate, we're not doing well, and I don't know how to solve this. I don't have any answers. I'm sad. I'm angry. Like, there's a part of me that wants to, like, you know, I'd never do that, but I want to, like, kick her sometimes. Like, sorry, maybe that's too much. But, like, our, the bottom line is our relationship is not going well. I don't know how to step into this in a, de- in a good way. I got nothing. And, um, and we talk about this. Like, so, like, our call oftentimes is to, like, just tell God the truth because we're, we're so bad at that. But when I told God the truth, then what that does is it opens up a channel of communication because he only speaks the truth. And we can only hear him in the truth. And I just told him where I was at. And then, and then here's what he spoke back to me. He spoke back to me, one, just comfort, which is awesome. He, just, he met me. And then he spoke hope over me as he gave me two things to do that would be causal in my relationship with Megan when I got back home and moving forward. And I'll just share one. The first thing that he told me to do was to get a piece of paper and write down all of my admirable qualities and give that to Megan and say, Megan, here's why you should be thankful for me. I'm kidding. I'm jo- I did not do that. If the Lord ever tells you to do that, just, that, that's not him. It's, it's coming from somewhere else. That's coming from you. Okay, I didn't do that. What, right, oftentimes when the Lord speaks to me, I will tell you one of the things. When he speaks to me, it's not like the deep mysteries of the universe. It's like... Duh. I can be dull sometimes. But here's, here's the one thing he said, right? Um, Brian, you need to start taking Megan on date nights. We'd stop doing that. Weekly date night. I'm like, oh, yeah, duh. Yes. But, what, but what, he, what, he, what he shared with me was, all right, Brian, the, the effect of your relationship is not good. Let's get causal. All right, God, what do I do? Take her on a date night every week. Do it cause, cause uh, intimacy and a time of conversation, cause alone time to happen. And then the effect will be, well, you'll see. It's like Ruth chapter four. It'll change. Just trust me. We don't have to figure everything out. We just get to tell him the truth, let him highlight relationships, invite him in, let him tell us what he would have us to do to be causal agents. Ruth clung to Naomi. That was the cause. Jesus died on the cross for us. That was the cause. Brian, take Megan out on date nights. The cause of different effect in our relationship. He wants us to be and to follow him into being causal agents. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would empower us this week to be agents of your kindness and your kingdom. That we would not relegate ourselves to responding but we would join you with the energy that you pour out in us and over us for the sake of causing and would you even now as we sing highlight a relationship a person a group a something that you would have us to lean into and would you give us a a causal idea of something that you would have us do for this person or these people. We give you the freedom to do so because everything you do is out of your kindness and your love towards us.
pray this in the name of the risen, causal Son, Jesus. Amen.